everybody. This is Chris McLean. This is Hater Radio. My uh, my co-host here with us again is uh, Ian Gibson. Ian, how are you, sir? Doing good. Would be better if, uh, <laughs> as, as mentioned, it's been a rough week of college football, but doing pretty good with it. Yeah, we're. this is the earliest we've ever recorded this show. It's actually 3.48 in the morning for me on uh, when thursday morning so i definitely am sacrificing to make this thing work so uh the people that listen to it don't say that we do not work hard at this thing because we definitely put in uh, a lot of effort to make this thing go okay so let's start it off real quick let's do our socials uh you can reach us at haterradio.com uh, for all the articles we put up, you can uh, reach us at, at hater underscore radio for both Insta and Twitter and hater radio at gmail.com for email. And Ian, what is your uh, your socials? Yes, YouTube, uh, Instagram and Twitter are G Gator G capital G underscore Gator underscore capital G. Nice. Okay. So let's real quick what the show is. We are a college football podcast. We're dedicated to the brand of college football. We do each week, we do a uh, recap of the week before. We talk about the Heisman uh, race and then we talk about the potential playoff teams. Uh, uh, this week, we'll include the actual playoff teams as well because those came down on Tuesday. And then we lastly look ahead to the upcoming games. So, with that in mind, let's Let's do the uh, recap of week nine. Uh, The first game, one of the early games last week was USF East Carolina. I mention USF all the time because USF is where I went to school. Ian is based in St. Pete Clearwater area. So he, uh, you know, talks about USF as well. We try to mention as much as we can. We also think they're going to do a little bit better going forward. So this is why we mention them. Uh, the game was 29-14, kind of a sloppy game, a lot of turnovers. Um, I don't know. I didn't really get to see the beginning. I saw the highlights a little bit, but USF didn't really look that great. It was just the uh, Timmy McLean didn't play. The backup played. I can't remember his name, but he – Marsh. Yeah, Marsh, and he just – I don't know. He struggled. He just was throwing a lot of bad picks and just – it was uh, it was rough, and I wanted them to win, and I thought they honestly they looked good in the first half, but then just East Carolina, just Eastern Carolina, just took it to them in the second half. Uh, any thoughts on this game, Ian? Yeah, the, this was a game where USF just couldn't like they just couldn't keep the momentum going. They definitely had they had two turnovers that resulted in scores, so they were up fourteen to I think it was fourteen to six at one point. Yeah, that's um, what it was. Yeah, and they had complete momentum of the game, um, but they just couldn't, you know, keep ECU down. Once uh, there was a uh, pick six in the third quarter coming out of halftime, there was another yeah. interception. Once that happened, you could just kind of feel it slipping away from USF. The offense was stuck in the mud, um, and there wasn't a whole lot the defense could do at that point. It was a completely different team uh, going into the second half uh, to the point where they just couldn't uh, hang on anymore. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't know. It's frustrating with this team because, um, you know, they want to start winning games, but it's just like, they're still stuck in this loser mentality that they've been in the last two or three years. And, um, you know, I, uh, it's funny. I was looking at some of my Facebook memories and some of the stuff brought up was something from the bucks 
situation like eight years ago with Shiano and like, and I was looking, looking at some other things on Twitter and they were talking about how like, you know, losing gets so ingrained in your team that it's almost like hard to go the other way, no matter what you do. Like you're just, you know, everyone on the team is so used to losing. So when you get to a certain point in a game, even though you have a chance to win things that start going the other way, the mentality is that just we're going to give up and lose and you don't really put in the fight that you need to win because you need to fight. Like, honestly, when the chips start going the other way, that's when you need to like have the resolve and the desire to win. And when those teams that continue to lose, they don't know how to win. And then just, they, they, they fall apart and they, they do continue to lose. Okay. So let's move on. Um, Dude, a team talking about losing recently, uh, Iowa going up against Wisconsin, Iowa just, I mean, their offense is terrible. And I knew this all along. I've, I had been saying this most of the year and it's been, you know, proving out that they just cannot score points regardless of how good their defense is. They've just been pathetic as a, uh, offensive, uh, unit and, they lose 27 to seven, um, you know, Wisconsin pretty much, you know, they controlled the whole game. It was never really close. Um, and you know, it's, it's crazy. Cause Iowa was number two. What two weeks ago was that like, like two or three weeks ago, yeah, I, I believe. And then they, uh, well, and then it was the loss to Purdue. Yeah. And it's really not that long ago. It's like, it's now it's like ancient history at this point. Like, and that's how, that's how fast, I mean, like think about like where we were with Florida, you know, a month ago, you know, yeah. before, before the Kentucky game, you know, uh, you know, Florida had lost Alabama, but everyone was hyped because it was like, it was a close game and it was like, everything's going all right. It's, you know, like, I think there was more hype on Florida because of the loss, even the win would have given a lot of hype as well, but like, you know, they lost and it was like, Oh, it's so, so close. It's like this team's got potential. And then Florida went through three straight losses, not three straight, but three, three out of four. Um, but still like, it's, it's crazy how quickly things can change. And, um, you know, with this Iowa team, it doesn't, it doesn't look good for them going forward. It's, you know, I think they've got like probably Nebraska or some shit like that left. It's not like anything crazy left on their schedule, but regardless, um, even if it is stuff. Oh, you know, actually who's been playing tough recently, who's been getting more notoriety is uh, Minnesota, you know, yes. cause they had that, they had that win against, um, or not win. They had that loss against Ohio State, which was relatively close in like the first week of the season, and kind of disappeared. Yeah, you know? they, I remember they lost to Bowling Green too, so that really right. kind of you know hurt them. Uh, but, but I that's think been it. that's their only. Yeah, that's their only, only Big Ten uh, loss. Yeah. has been uh, to uh, Ohio State. Yeah, so they still have potential to like. Let's see. I'm looking at the standings. Yeah, they're first in the West. So, you know, if they went out, they will represent the div uh, the con uh, the division in the conference championship and they've got they've got some tough games ahead. Uh they got Wisconsin and Iowa, so you know, potentially 
you know, there is some roadblocks there, but I don't know. I mean, Minnesota's been known for having a decent offense the last couple of years, and that's something that Iowa doesn't have. Iowa can't put up points, so we'll see. That game's November 13th between Iowa, but let's move on. Okay, uh, Cincinnati, Tulane. Uh, Cincinnati struggled a little bit here. It was a close game for a little while, just like, you know, plotting. Cincinnati just really couldn't uh, – uh, take off from Tulane and Cincinnati wins 31 to 12. Uh, any thoughts on this game, Ian? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one, especially going into halftime. I saw the score was 14 to 12 and I, it looked like Cincinnati was sleepwalking and they, and they definitely were uh, the first half, but they were able to turn it on and pull it away. The defense stepped up and, you know, got the key stops uh, they needed against Tulane. They were able to force four turnovers as well, which was huge um, in that game to kind of prevent Tulane's upset bid. Um, I agree this was a game that Cincinnati should have won by a lot more, uh, but they definitely got, you know, enough points to pull it away and make it a much more comfortable win. I don't know if this is the time where we can rant about the playoff rankings or if we want to save that until we get through this week. Um but you Let's know, just, I, I just think, go you ahead. Know, if you if you want to jump into it, go ahead and jump into it. Let's jump into it. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, reason number two why I was pissed off at college football this week. Uh, <laughs> go to Tuesday night and then college football. And here is the thing: Cincinnati ranked number six in the playoff, and I freaking knew it. I knew it calling in. I told everybody. I said Cincinnati totally should be at least in the top four, but the playoff committee will leave them out. And I was right. I was more upset the fact that I was right out of everything than everything else because I thought the playoff would have done, you know, done something to prove me wrong, but I wasn't. But they didn't. And now Cincinnati's kind of screwed because the playoff, all the teams ahead of them are power five teams. And what has to happen is that one of those teams has to lose. And it's not looking and that's not including Georgia and Alabama. Um which there will be a loss between one of them if they there both will be get a loss to between, SEC championship game. Yeah, and it's I I, I get the whole you know okay yes Cincinnati's a group of five team but this isn't exactly like a group of five team like it was with UCF and all that and I've been saying this here you, you can laugh at UCF all you want about national champion their national championship <laughs> which you should you rightfully should laugh at them for that but it's just keeping to the point where this playoff system is completely rigged against any group of 5 team it, this you know selection showed it that they are completely against any group of 5 team getting in because no matter what Cincinnati does it's not going to be enough i remember i saw a thing where it said this is what cincinnati supposedly has to do uh beat a power five team on the road which they did notre dame uh have a good conference schedule which they have to play smu and houston who now both teams do have a loss between them but still those are good teams so your conference has to be good american conference is good enough go undefeated cincinnati's currently undefeated Win your conference championship while being undefeated, which is good. And then maybe, just maybe, we'll rank you number five. That's the ceiling for Cincinnati, which is an absolute joke. Because 
the whole point of the playoff was, oh, this wasn't going to be like the BCS. We're going to allow a group of five teams in. But what the playoff committee is doing is absolutely giving the bird to these teams. It's a beyond a joke. I'm so sick and tired of this 14 playoff committee in this committee just overlooking these teams that are undefeated. Because I think Cincinnati does, out of all the group of five teams I've seen in this playoff era, Cincinnati is the best one out of all of them I've seen. And it's not going to matter. No matter what group of five team does, it won't be enough. I And I remember seeing this too with the point of putting Bama at number two. I remember there was another podcast who said, I forget which one, but he said this and I agree with him. You have to be punished for losing, right? Like Alabama needs to be punished for losing to an unranked Texas A&M team. But they they didn't. Straight up, the committee didn't look at it, and they said, no, Bama's the number two team in the nation. Are they the number two team in the nation? Based on the eye test, maybe. But this isn't the same Alabama team. Like, this isn't a juggernaut Bama team that can shut teams out, you know, defensively. It's... I, I obviously I'm but, going off but on a they, tangent, but they can still score. And I think that's why a lot of people do like them is like, they're not as proficient as they were last year, but they're still highly proficient. I mean, um, you know, and I think the thing with, um, uh, the, uh, uh, you know, uh, Cincinnati, it's, it's tough because it's like, I think a lot of people want to. I mean, obviously, the AP poll has them at number two. So, obviously, they think highly of them. And, you know, it, but that's writers. That's different from, you know, these people on this committee, which are college administrators and whatever. Um, I don't – it's very tough. I'm, I'm really, um, you know, I'm really kind of over just four teams in the playoff. And I know yes. – I know that they had the potential of the talks in the summer about where it was seemed like there was a lot of momentum to get to 12 teams. And it seemed like things were going to fall into place. The contract for this current uh, CFP uh, format is I think until either 2025 or 2026. So they still have like another couple of years to really like figure out what they're going to do going forward after this contract ends. So um, I think what largely happened was because the initial talks about the, the, the increase in playoff teams was going to occur, but then Oklahoma and Texas decided to leave the big 12 and join the sec. So that really started getting the ball rolling on realignment. So things started to change that way. So the landscape started becoming different. So it was like, okay, we have all this going on. Let's kind of like put the 12 team playoff stuff to, uh, on the back burner for a little bit, but doesn't mean that it won't happen. It's just kind of like waiting till it has to happen. I, I know. Trust me. I agree because it's, it, yeah. it's not fair <laughs> for the rest of all these college football teams like coastal Carolina, like BYU, like Liberty, like uh, Cincinnati, like UCF in 2017, you know, like Boise state, you know, all these teams that have the potential 
to to do a 11 and 1 12 and 1 season or 12 and 0 13 and 0 season and yet they still can't get in the playoff it's kind of ridiculous that these teams especially this year because Cincinnati played a decent Notre Dame team on the, on road, the road and beat them and was pretty much the better team that entire game and it wasn't really like Notre Dame was like leading or like you know, potentially better than them. It, Cincinnati was the better team yeah. and proved it. And it's like, and and, and, not, and also, not to mention this Cincinnati team went toe for toe with Georgia last year in the Sugar Bowl, right? And you know, or Peach Bowl, Peach Bowl, yeah, yeah, it was yeah. A Peach Bowl in Atlanta. And you know, you're right. And you know, they and Cincinnati probably should have won that game if it weren't for like some ridiculous play at the end. I like they, their offense just couldn't put it together near the end, which uh, was their downfall. Cause they Please. just couldn't get a first down, but um, no, the, the one thing I was going to say uh, real quick about it was um, uh, you know, also with what you're saying about a conference that has decent play as much as the a- AAC uh, for whatever reason, just cause they're considered a group of five, doesn't downplay the fact that they still have really good teams. They've got Cincinnati, like you said, they've got SMU, they've got Houston. Um, you know, even UCF isn't terrible yeah. this year. You know, they're five and three at this point, I think. And, you know, uh, Memphis is a decent opponent. So, like, you know, I, I'm really kind of – surprised because i i know you aren't but i am kind of surprised because i just thought if any year was going to be the year that a team a group of five team deserved it i mean because we've talked so much about how this year is basically 2007 part two yeah so like it's if that is the case then that would open up the the window for a team like cincinnati to get in and it's still not happening and that's if that is the case, we need to make change. Like we just have to, like, this is the perfect example of why there needs to be more teams, because if we make it 12 teams, then not only do we put those teams in it, you know, the group of five teams, but then the teams that are like, you know, if they get two losses, they're not out of it then. Like, you yeah. get, like, you know, like think about, okay. Like baseball, how for years, it was only like a handful of teams got in, which makes no sense considering how many teams were in their league. And then only a few got in the playoffs. And it was like, they started to realize, Oh, we need to make more teams have realistic shots at getting in the playoffs. Because if we don't, then their seasons are done by July. And it's like, it's the same thing here with college football where their seasons are done by, you know, the end of September, basically for Florida. And it's like, if there was a 12 team playoff, even though they would have lost to Kentucky, if they had lost to Kentucky, they still would have potential of getting in the playoff with a second, even possibly third loss. So it's like their season technically wouldn't have been done after that Kentucky loss. And it basically was at that point because, you know, they just were, they had no fight in that LSU game. And it's like, if they had fight, they probably would have beaten LSU. And then who knows what would happen against Georgia. But uh, the, right. the only other, just one more thing, and then we'll yeah, move yeah. on. Just yeah. the other two tangents I want to go on, and I'll make it quick, is the, the whole argument of, well, they'll get blown out by Bama. I hate 
absolutely hate that argument. Whether it's true or not, I, I remember Rich Eisen said this when he was talking about the playoff. Show me rather than tell me. I want to, like, example was 2017. Yeah, exactly. And don't get me wrong, as much, again, with the whole UCF thing, yeah, I think it's, a you know, kind of a joke they said that. But I was like, yeah, I'd want to see them in the playoff, and I want them to prove it. Prove me yeah. rather, you know, show me rather than tell me that Bama or the, Georgia can blow these teams out. The other one was the playoff committee. For whatever reason, they love bringing up, I believe it was 2016 Houston as an example of a team that can run the table, a group of five team, and can go to the playoff, but Houston couldn't get the wins because they played Oklahoma and beat Oklahoma, but they couldn't survive their conference schedule. And I see that, and I, I look at the 2016 Houston team, and I look at this Cincinnati team, and I'm like, dude, Cincinnati's better this year. Even if yeah. Houston went undefeated in 2016 – Houston beat a wounded Oklahoma team at a neutral right. side on opening on the opening year. So even if they go undefeated, and that was a year the American was not as uh, solid. I believe the second best team was like Temple at like mm-hmm. two losses. But this year, like I saw it and I was looking at it. And I was like, dude, Cincinnati has a better resume than what 2016 Houston would have had at their best moment. So what they're saying is we don't care. They They don't care about group of five teams. Sorry, try again next year. He was your fifth place ranking. Well, and it's like thing, a participation award. The thing you got to think of is, dude, think about who the committee is. It's all people from power five schools. It's not anyone from a group of five. I don't even think that there is. There might be like one. So like one person is supposed to influence like 12 people like, oh, you should include this team. They're like, no, we're not going to because we want the money to go towards these big power conferences. That's that's the one thing I hate <laughs> is that like I, I remember I said this whenever you involve people in a selection, there's going to be bias, whether whether you like it or not and if they do the one thing i hope ironically if they do go to an you know an eight or 12 team and they change it i want the computers to pick it like the bcs did because at least the you know the bcs you can yell at a computer but there's no bias on a computer yeah and i i kind of agree you know as much as I think what the problem with the BCS was the fact that it was only two teams. So Mm -hmm. it was very limited what you could select now with the playoff, you know, you have more teams and it's like, you know, especially if you have eight or 12, I don't think anyone would have a problem with the, uh, the computers selecting who they do for the eight or 12, because it would be fair. And I think right now it's not fair. It's really not. It's really, you know, I mean, like you said, Alabama has one loss, but I'm looking at Alabama's offensive rankings. You know, they're the 10th best offense in the country. So, you know, right there, that tells you something, though, that, you know, they, at least the defense may not be that great, but at least Alabama's offense has the potential to score points. And that's why they have them there, because that honestly, that's the other thing is as much as I um, uh want to see Cincinnati get in. I really want to see Alabama get in because I want to see Alabama play Georgia because I, regardless of what happens, because I know they, they'll have to play each other in the SEC championship game. But like, I want to see Alabama play against Georgia because I know I heard someone else talk about it where it's like, you know, this Georgia team has not been tested yet by a true offense. And it would probably be like, um, uh, you know, under like 
like not serving this team well when it holds up against in history. Like if it's still that, if everyone considers it that good of a defense, well, if they play a really good offense and they do well, then it's one thing they show who the, how good they are. But if they don't get that test, it kind of, you know, tarnishes how good they are, but okay, let's move on. We'll talk more about it in a second, but let's move quickly through these uh, Michigan, Michigan state, really good game. Probably the best game of the day. Uh, Michigan was up relatively comfortably. I think they were up like 16 and Michigan state comes back and just Kenneth Walker, uh, you know, yeah, just bad man. unreal, man, dude. Like I'm watching this game. I'm like, it was like every time he touched the ball, he scored a touchdown. And I'm just like, what is going on here? He had five TDs, just a monster of a game. And pretty much at this point, we had only had Bryce Young and Matt Corral for the last month. And now firmly in the mix, probably maybe even right behind Bryce Young or maybe even with Bryce Young, 1A, 1B is now Kenneth Walker. So welcome to the show. And basically at this point, welcome to New York because you're going to go to the the ceremony regardless of what happens. So uh, glad to see it. I I told you I've been high on Michigan State all year. Mm And this is proving me. I was kind of nervous at first when I'm watching the game. I'm like, oh, fuck, I'm going to be wrong. But then uh, they came back and and I knew that's see, that's the difference between. All right. You can have a good defense. That's one thing, you know. Oh, fair is fair. Everyone can have a good defense. That, that It's helpful. But I really think this day and age in college football that you need to have a competent uh, and somewhat proficient offense, because if you don't, you know, in cases where you go down a score or two, you're out of the game. Like, you know, yeah. a good, good defensive team that has an okay offense can't come back in that situation, but a team that has a decent offense like Michigan state in this case, if they go down, they can still have a chance. And I knew that there was still a potential chance for them to win this game. And they did. And it was, it was awesome. And the crowd was going crazy and it was just, Great game. Uh, your thoughts on this, Ian? No, I'm I'm right there with you. Um, it it did look like I, I agree that Michigan State is probably the most balanced team out of all the teams uh, right now, at least in the hunt for the playoff. Um, because when when they went down 30 to 14, I never got that feeling that they were out of it because Kenneth because I knew they had Kenneth Walker. And I was like, okay, you know, they got Kenneth Walker. If he can like turn, you know, turn it on a next another level, uh, which he was already having a good enough game at that. I was like, okay, they're they're still technically in this. And then, you know, really it was more, you know, they came back and they kept scoring. Um and was able to, you know, really uh, get in, you know, really disrupt the uh, offense for uh, uh, Michigan. Because uh, after that point, Michigan was just kind of like sputtering at that point. And that was the other thing, too, is that you could tell, like, the defense was very tired and very worn down. But just the, So when you're tired, the last person you want to tackle is Kenneth Walker going like yeah. 100 miles per hour. So and and that but that that was a, a incredible performance by Kenneth Walker, um, really willing uh, Michigan State to the win in that one. Uh, and Michigan, once they got down, you kind of had that like. They had that, you know, defeat in their eye look once they tied it. And I remember thinking, like, I don't – Michigan can't – just Michigan isn't built to, like, kind of withstand this. They have very bad uh, juju when it comes to, like, slipping leads. 
and yeah. just not being able to get out of the hole. I don't know if that's a Michigan thing or if that's a Harbaugh thing, but it just hasn't been good in history. Um, and that, but overall, very good win and an amazing comeback by Michigan State. And I do agree, uh, definitely uh, game of the week. Yeah, and you know, like you said with Michigan, I I knew they were frauds, and it's not like they're terrible, but it's just I knew they were feasting on a lot of these bad teams. So I was like, you know, I'm not sold on them. And I really wasn't, uh, they played better than I thought they would. And, you know, naturally getting a lead like that, um, in the game, you know, led itself to them, uh, you know, um, uh, you know, doing well, but regardless, that Michigan State team now has everything in front of them, you know, with the rankings. We'll talk about it in a little bit, but, you know, being so highly ranked so far in the first CFP and, you know, all really they have to do is just win out, you know, because they um, they have a, a, a schedule in front of them that will withstand, um, uh, you know, the criticism of anything else because it's like, yeah, they played Rutgers kind of bad, but they beat a good Michigan team. They beat Miami on the road. They got Ohio state coming up and they got Penn state. So they have two really tough games and then a third game against the West champion. So they've got three tough games to go. And the the next two were cupcakes, uh, Illinois, and I think someone else. And so they'll be able to easily win those, but um, you know, like I said, I was excited about this team. I think this is definitely the team to look for, uh, in this, uh, in the big 10, um, Ohio state's still out there as well, but we'll talk about that more. So let's move on. Okay. So next one is speaking of Miami, uh, Miami pit, uh, Miami jumped out to a quick lead and was up like 21 to seven, I believe in the first quarter. And it was like 38, 34, the final, I just, I don't know. I'm really surprised that Pitt lost this game. They're definitely a better team than Miami, but you know what? I will say this since Van Dyke has taken over that offense has looked a lot better. Like think about Mm -hmm. their outputs the last like three games. Like they put up a lot against NC state and they put up a lot against North Carolina and uh, they went two and one in those three games. And I believe beating both ranked Pitt and ranked NC state, like right. They beat NC state, right? Uh, Miami. Yeah, didn't I they? I believe they they lost uh, to North Carolina, but they beat NC State. Yeah, they beat they did they did beat NC State. So that was yeah. their other upset. Yeah, so they they've beaten two ranked teams and have scored a lot of points. So I didn't love Van Dyke at first. The first game that he played, I was kind of like, "This is the kid that they brought in. What's going on with this kid?" He's kind of like, "Eh," but man, he's really like. I mean, the potential is there. He's swinging. Like, he's looking a yeah. lot better. Yeah, the the more he's playing, the better he's getting. Oh, yeah, by far. And their offense had some pieces. It wasn't like there were, like, nobody on the team. It's like they still had some pieces. And, uh, you know, I know Derek King has, you know, some college-level talent, but I just never have been sold on this kid. And – he just was too small, too small. And because he got that, that ACL injury last year, I just was not a big believer in him. And it's just like, at this point, he just needs to, 
graduate and move on with his life, you know, cause it's not just, it's just not working for him. So regardless, um, I like where Miami's going. Like when all seemed lost again, all seemed lost three weeks ago. Now it's completely different. They have the potential of going like eight and four and, you know, and beating FSU and like, that's a successful year. It's not a, a an amazing year, but it's still a successful year considering where it was going. It was going to the point where Manny Diaz was going to get fired. Yeah. And like, now it's like two wins. He might over be able to hang on. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think he's going to be fine now. So uh, let's move on. Texas Baylor. All right. This is another surprise team. That's like really killing it. That. I think is under the radar of a lot of people. I know I'd been talking about Michigan state going under the radar. Now the other one under the radar is really Baylor, you know, a team, they win 31, 24. Um, they're really solid in a lot of aspects of the game. They're not like phenomenal at offense, but they're solid enough to where the way Dave Aranda has them playing defense keeps them in every game. It's they're very similar to Oklahoma state this year. Both of those mm-hmm. teams are kind of like mirrors of each other. Um, so they play solid enough defense, especially in a conference that doesn't play that much defense. So they just have to play enough defense to keep them in games, which they've been doing. And then their offense has been able to score enough points to be able to, uh, to win them. And, you know, I don't really know much about specific players for Baylor because I don't, I haven't followed them that much this year, but I know that they have been competent in what they're doing. And that really is all you need to know because it's, you know, in this situation, they play like a team like Texas, you know, Texas at times doesn't look competent. They make mistakes, you know, turnovers, and then, you know, just do stupid things. And, you know, Baylor looks like a well-coached team. Mm-hmm. And that is the difference, you know, from, uh, you know, certain other teams. It's just they're well-coached, so they're they're making the plays that they need to to win. Yeah, no, I, I agree with you on that. Uh, I definitely know uh, Baylor is having, you know, a season where uh, they uh, have uh, d- definitely an under-the-radar team for sure. Um, and this one, this is a game where I think it – kind of told everybody how to figure Texas out uh, defensively because they, they did a simple plan of, you know, throwing the monkey wrench and stopping uh, Robinson. And if you can do that, you kind of take the main gear out of the offense because Texas really couldn't get anything going. And Baylor had a lot of other weapons. They had RJ Sneed, uh, the wide receiving, uh, they had Smith, the running back, the running game was very solid for, uh, Baylor in that one. It was more running than it was actually passing. Bit of an oddity for a Big 12 team. But I agree with you. They're definitely, you know, again, a team under the radar and having a very good uh, season, especially defensively. Um, And they were able to keep themselves in the game. I remember Texas went up to like 21 to 10. uh, But the defense stepped up, was able to uh, get enough stops and have Baylor stay in the game. And they were able to come back late and get enough points on the board to pull away from Texas. Yeah, and with only one loss, Baylor definitely has everything to play for. So let's move on. Iowa State, West Virginia. West Virginia wins 38-31. Just a terribly disappointing year for Iowa State. I am I'm blown away that they already have three losses. I would have thought they would have at most had two, and now they already have three, and it's just the season's over for them. Like all the – all the hype coming into it, everyone returning basically their entire entire starting lineup. And 
you know, it was a back and forth game and, uh, you know, West Virginia is, you know, a team that can put up points and Iowa state just couldn't, couldn't answer the bell. And, um, I don't know. It's just, it's frustrating to watch because, you know, you thought that Iowa state was going to be, you know, in the mix for the big 12 and they're really not going to be this year. So, uh, uh, what are your thoughts on this game, Ian? This one, uh, this was actually a really good game, but I agree with you with Iowa state. The main thing that when it came down to it, the reason West Virginia, you know, kind of won and ran away, you know, had enough control of this game. They were down 31 to 24, but they had, I believe, more time possession. I think they had 34 minutes to 25, if I remember correctly, seeing the little graphic. Um, and that's what it came down to because Iowa State offense was clicking. Brees Hall and Brock Party were, you know, you know, they were having pretty good games uh, so far, especially Brees Hall. Um, and the defense of Iowa State uh, was able to step up. I remember they got a pick six. Um, at one point in the game. Uh, but the thing was, once Virginia, West Virginia timed it, they were just keeping the ball away from Iowa State because uh, they knew Iowa State's uh, offense was rolling, and they just tried to keep the ball away from them as much as they could, and that was enough. So once West Virginia scored, there wasn't as much, you know, they could do in the defense, especially for West Virginia, was able to hold up against Iowa State. But that was what it came down to, is that West Virginia just wouldn't give Iowa State the ball back in crucial situations. Um, and, and I agree with you. It's definitely disappointing for Iowa State. Uh, they had the talent. It just wasn't there. I will say, uh, I will tip the cap, though, to West Virginia. They definitely won this game, and especially for Jared Doage. Um, not the most, like, remarkable season, but he's definitely playing up to, you know, making the most of what he can uh, in his uh, limited playing time. Uh, I think he almost had 400 yards passing this game and kind of what turned out to be a shootout. Yeah, uh, 370. Was, yeah. Um, but overall, it was definitely a very good win for West Virginia, but it's definitely disappointing for Iowa State because this is a game they definitely could have won and they just didn't have enough time uh, with the ball to run away with it. Okay, next one. Uh, I'm I don't think we don't have to talk too much about it. I know we're we're all obviously upset as Florida Gator fans. Uh, Georgia, Florida, Georgia wins 34-7. The one thing I will talk about, though, uh, that I really want to talk about in this game was um, that uh, that two minutes before halftime. like Worst two minutes of my life. Dude, I, <laughs> I literally, literally a friend of mine called me right before halftime and was like, Hey man. And we just, he just wanted to talk like, and he's not a football fan. So he doesn't know what, you know, and I was like, Hey, it's, it's almost halftime. I'll call you at halftime. And like, literally as that was happening, I believe Torrance uh, got the interception mm-hmm. and literally everything went to shit from that second Torrance gets that interception. And it's remarkable. Even on that play, Torrance, um, you know, goes into the end zone after intercepting Stetson Bennett and he comes out and it's like, fuck, I knew the second he came out that it was going to be very tough for Florida to move the ball. And I was like, man, this is not, this is not a good recipe right here. Like whatever happens right here is going to be very like, um, has potential for disaster. And, you know, the, the one run play barely got out of the end zone. Then the next, the run play he's getting out of the end zone and he's doing it. I'm like, all right, he's getting yards. And then fucking uh, that linebacker for Georgia rips it out and recovers it. And I was like, son of a bitch. 
but that's not the terrible thing. Cause it's like, you know what? One thing, one fumble, whatever, you know, stop them, hold them a field goal, whatever. But no, boom, first play, counter play, they score. And it's, then it's 10 nothing. Then it's like, okay, it's still only 10 nothing. Florida's getting the ball back at the end of the half or at the start of the half that they'll be all right. Then um, freaking uh, they go and uh, I can't, I think it was like second down. Uh, Richardson throws to uh, Xavier Henderson and uh, one of their Dean linemen was running a robber play and comes back and does like a hero play, basically barely gets to the ball, tips it. And then that same guy that uh, forced a fumble and recovered it, boom, he intercepts it. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, you know, then next play after that, boom, touchdown. touchdown. I mean, then it's like, okay, it's 17, nothing. They still get the ball back at the end of the, uh, the start of the half. They can still get a chance and they, they, they're moving the ball, which I was glad they did. Cause they didn't just give up, but then AR 15 just throws his worst pass that he's had since I've been watching him. And it was terrible. It was, he, he just, he, I honestly think if he just waits a little bit, it probably is open. Just the guy was like sitting back waiting. If he had like looked the other way or whatever and like forced his hand, I think Malik would have been open a second later. Um, but uh, he uh, throws it to the guy and then picks six. And it, that was pretty much it. Yeah. And honestly, probably that was it because I was like, there are only three touchdowns uh, for yeah. Georgia. Yeah, exactly. So, and it was well, not three. Probably, uh, yeah. Well, they got another one late, but regardless, um, just terrible sort of circumstances because it was three nothing with Florida having the ball with two minutes left and getting the ball in the second half. It and then the floodgates opened. Yeah, <laughs> and it, at that at that point, Florida's defense had played pretty well, you know, and had held them, um, you know, in check, and uh, you know it. It potentially, who knows where the game would have gone. I'm not saying that Florida would have won. I'm just saying it would have been better for Florida, obviously, if they had gotten to halftime just three nothing, or even worst case scenario, nothing, uh, nothing. You know, like if. But I don't fault Dan Mullen for trying to score there because he had the timeouts, and you want to try to get the offense in a groove and. I don't know. Those missed field goals as well for Florida mm. were really terrible, especially that really close one. Um, the further one was obviously, you know, 51 yarders, you know. That's a tough one. That's a yeah, tough call. Especially a college kicker. They're not going to make many of those. Um, so, uh, regardless, Florida now has four losses and, uh, you know, the hot seat is on. And I know you wanted to talk about potentially moving on from Dan, but I think – you know, from Dan Mullen, but I think everything's kind of like the heat's kind of died down over the last couple of days. It was definitely red hot on Monday because there was a lot going on with his press conference and shit. And like, people Mm -hmm. were like up in arms, but over the last couple of days, things kind of like, okay, relax a little bit. I haven't heard as of yet um, what's going on with Anthony Richardson. He's in um, concussion protocol, so he's going to be questionable for South Carolina. That's okay. All, when it's concussion protocol, you never have a certain answer because, you know, it's a concussion. Well, where, um, did, you, where did you hear that? Because I'm not seeing that anywhere. 
Uh, I saw it on one of the Gator uh, pages I follow on Instagram. I think it was the Gator Chomp. Don't quote me on that, though, at least. Well, because um, I'm not I'm not seeing any news anywhere on Google News saying anything about his injury. Because all I'm seeing is it says unclear. Let's see. Uh, ESPN. Uh, okay, four, yes, I'm seeing, a, I'm seeing a concussion. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah okay. Um, he did not yeah, practice so Monday or Tuesday. We don't know if he practiced Wednesday. It doesn't say. Uh, so. His oh, status is going to be up in the air. I mean, obviously with concussions, yeah. you can't really play around with that. So you got to be, you know. Yeah. I'm going to get a certain answer. I, I still think that Florida beats South Carolina no matter what. So it's not really that big of a deal if he doesn't play. Because South Carolina is terrible this year. Um, but uh, the same record as us. So, I mean, hey, yeah, I'm, not playing but, I'm at the point. I, I remember saying this. <sighs> I am not. I am at the point now where nothing will surprise me. Yeah, but dude, look at their wins. Their wins are against a lot of terrible teams. Oh, yeah, no. Oh, I know. I know. But I'm just letting you know I'm at the point where I will not be surprised. That's where I am with this Florida football, at least this year with this team. And I remember, and I said this, and I, this is the only thing. I can definitely go on a long divertron about the Florida Gators with Dan Mullen and all that. But I'll just say this. He's got four four games he has to win. If he loses one of them, he's gone. And I am not exaggerating. See, I don't, I don't think that's the case. I don't think what happens this year is going to be determining on what goes on. Well, to the he has future. his. He's got South Carolina, Sanford, Missouri, and Florida State. Those are all games he should win. Those the are pro- all very winnable games. I yeah. like Florida State is garbage. Missouri is terrible. South Carolina is not good, and Sanford's an FCS school, so he should win all four of those. The, the and then, then he's eight that- and four. Then if he wins the bowl game, he's nine and four. So. Really, yeah, but the, if, if he wins the next four games, but what what, what I what I, I'm saying is is if anything happens where he drops one of those games, because at that point that's three losses this, this season that you are supposed to win. LSU, Kentucky, and potentially one of these. So if any of those happen, okay, maybe he doesn't, you know, get the boot, but holy crap, is that gonna be a it's gonna be a much deeper conversation in the offseason than it would be if he just wins four games. Those are four games they should win. But again, like I said, you know, they're supposed to be Kentucky and supposed to be beat LSU. So they're supposed to win, but, you know, there's a difference between supposed to and can win. Yeah. Okay. Uh, any uh, Anything else you want to talk about this game real quick before we move on? Not really. I don't want to get PTSD. <laughs> All right. Let's, uh... I'll, I'll, I'll say this. I will say this. I will tip the cap to Georgia. Yeah. Georgia's the best team in the country. They proved it, you know, again, to me, they didn't give, you know, like I said, they didn't give Anthony Richardson anything, and they went after his ass, especially when they knew Florida was reeling. And I said, I mean, I've said it at this point. I I, I don't know if this is a spoiler, but I, I don't see a team stopping Georgia, at least with that defense. I don't well, see a team. Well, again, the thing is they haven't played any decent offenses, and that's really the – you know, the thing, like when they play a team like Alabama and they'll play a team like, I don't know, even like Michigan state or Ohio state or Oklahoma that have decent offenses, that's when they're going to be, 
that's when it's going to be a true test. Like we can actually see, cause also I don't really like this Georgia offense. It but, no, but that's struggled. the thing is like when it's a Georgia, it is a pro it is a stereotypical proto prototype Georgia offense. But again, even with the only, t- I'm not even kidding. The only two teams I think that could do anything to Georgia's defense. This is how good they are is Oklahoma and maybe Alabama. That's it. Those are the only teams I can think of. Yeah. And that's asking a lot to go against it because that Georgia defense is insanely good. This is one of the best defenses I've ever seen straight up. Yeah. Okay. It's out uh, of my years watching college football. Let's move on. Uh, we're going to do these relatively quickly because we I'm running out of time here. So yeah. Texas tech, Oklahoma, uh, Oklahoma wins 52, 21, you know, Caleb Williams, just proficient as hell. Very, um, you know, obviously proving Lincoln Riley right that uh, he uh, uh, made the right decision. And last thing I want to say about Florida, Georgia, real quick, just thinking about this with Caleb Williams. I'm really glad that AR got to start. Regardless of what happened in that game, I am excited for what's going to happen now because he got to start and then he even got to come back in the second half. Uh, to start the second half, too. So that's the last thing I want to say. But Caleb Williams in this Oklahoma game does really well. They destroy him. Wasn't really close. Uh, you know, Oklahoma looks really good. And now moving into this latter part of the season where Oklahoma might be that team that really uh, stands out going into the playoff, I think. Okay. Um, I'm going to move on. Colorado, Oregon. Oregon wins 52-29, not really close. That guy, Die, the running back that doesn't wear any gear, doesn't wear any, like, uh, gloves or anything. I love that guy because he's just, like, yeah. nice. Travis Die, right? Travis Die, is that right? Yeah, Travis yeah, Die. He, yeah, he, man, he's he's just solid. And he, like, almost every time he touches the ball, he scores a touchdown. It's great. Um, okay, uh, interesting one. FSU-Clemson game. I call that one being ugly. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> that, I was right an on that ugly, one. terrible game. It was just very ugly game. 30 to 20. Florida State was winning this game in the like near the middle of the fourth quarter. And then Clemson comes back, scores, and then um they get a backdoor cover, uh, a bad beat, because the the this what is it? The spread was nine and a half. Or the oh, yeah, line. and then the Clemson scores. Yeah, yeah, Clemson scores that touchdown at the end to make it so 10 everybody point loses. Difference. I was like, holy shit, man. That's a mother effer right there. Uh, dude, so Clemson gets off the snide and, uh, you know, still not a high-scoring game for them. Uh, you know, just, I don't know, D- uh, Ugalele just does not look that great, but um, FSU continues to lose, which I – pretty much thought was going to happen. And I don't think, I think FSU is going to at least lose to NC state and Miami and Florida. So I don't know what their fourth game there is. I don't know who they're playing, but just, I don't, I, I, not good for them. It's going to look like a, a three win season for them. So whatever they suck. So, okay. Uh, Duke wake Forest, another blowout 45 to seven wake Forest pretty much controlled this game the entire time. Not really much to talk about there. All right. Interesting game. Ole Miss Auburn. I really like this game. I watched a little bit of it. I enjoyed it. And I watched the highlights as well. And I really was like, you know, the thing here, you know, Auburn wins 31 20. Uh, it was Matt Corral, I think because he was, you know, taken out because he had yeah, that he injury. Had a, yeah. And I think like 
if he was fully healthy the entire game, I think they probably would have won. But it was like I think there was issues with the what what was going on with him. So, but Bo Nix played well. You know, was moving the ball, and you know, Ole Miss defense sucks. So you know, that's really the difference. It's like you know, Ole Miss has got a great offense, but you know, the defense is not very good. So it's not really. You know, like, I mean, they allowed like 50 plus points to Arkansas. Like they're they're going to allow points. So um, your thoughts on this one, Ian? No, I'm with you. I think the other deciding one was that they left a lot of points on the table because uh, I think they were in the red zone like three times and Lane Kiffin went for it on fourth down every almost every time. Yeah. And I was like, in that instance, I was like, dude, you got to take the points here. This is not like. Right. Like, and I, if you, I am all for being aggressive. I am all for aggressive coaching, but that's one of the times I don't mind going for it on fourth down a couple of times, but three times in the red zone when you could have at least had nine, that's nine points on the board that's gone. So at that point, going late into the game, you know, you're more into the more in the fight and Auburn doesn't need to just kick one field goal in the fourth quarter. Uh, to put the game out of reach and make it two possessions. So that, that was, I think, the deciding thing. Matt Corral getting bounced out, too, was a big deal as well. But other than that, yeah, I mean, Arkansas – or, I'm sorry, Auburn definitely uh, deserved uh, to win that game. Yeah. Uh, okay, moving on. SMU, Houston, just a wild game. You know, uh, Houston wins 44-37 off of a late – kickoff return for a touchdown i was just like like the usf ucf game in 2017 and there was there was two kickoff returns for touchdowns in this game and you know smu just loses their undefeated season and now houston you know is in the mix to get into the uh the aac championship so um good for them i was kind of you know watching that crowd i was surprised how small the crowd was you know, like there just wasn't that many people there. And I'm well, like, the Astros run the World Series. So, I mean, yeah, I guess that's it. But it's just it's still it's still it's tough to see that with like, you know, you know, because now they're going to the Big 12 and it's like it's like if they're going to the Big 12, they're going to a power five school and they can't even get that many people to go to their games. Well, dude, look at Vanderbilt. <laughs> I know. But Vanderbilt has ne- Vanderbilt has only been good in like the 1920s. You know, like they really haven't been good like in the last like 60, 70 years. They're basically a legacy uh, school in the SEC now. They're really the only reason they're not out is because they've been in so long. And like the SEC would like. Like they they would never kick them out at this point. They're just like you know they've been there forever. We're not going to kick them out. So and they have a hell of a baseball team. I'll say that as well. Oh yeah, for sure. So yeah. that that really keeps them in as well. So anything in 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 this game you want to talk about or I, I you know it's obviously this was this is honest week for me. This was out there with game of the week, especially that kick return because I you know it being you know like I said I am a USF fan too, so I had like PTSD from that. <laughs> Yeah, um, that UCF kickoff return. But yeah, I, I saw that and I was like, somebody said that it's true. It's like, has there ever been a walk-off kick return? Because I think we just saw it. Um, overall, very good game. I, you know, people can get on, you know, SMU losing un, to an under, you know, losing their undefeated season. But I don't think, you know, SMU should be ashamed of this loss. Both teams, it's not like any team 
deserve to lose. This is an instance where a game where it's unfortunately a team had to lose this game. Both teams did everything they could uh, to win because it looked like SMU was going to be down and out early. They were down, I believe, by three possessions early, but they yeah. came back, fought with it. Uh, it's just Houston was able to make the bigger plays when they needed to. For sure. Okay, moving on. Uh, Kentucky, Mississippi State. Uh, Mississippi State wins 31-17. You know, I was surprised that Mississippi State scored as much as they did and pretty much controlled the flow of the game because of their offense was moving the ball. And, um, you know, even though Kentucky was uh, with them in the first half, um, Mississippi State kind of just was able to move the ball, able to score. And um, Mississippi State last year, I think they only scored two points against them. So to go from two points to 31 is a huge difference. And, you know, it's looking like more and more that Mike Leach might be able to uh, compete in this league. And, you know, he may not be able to be be the top team in the league, but he's going to be able to be like an eight, nine win team every year. So, uh, and you know, Kentucky is proving me right in the fact that I never thought Kentucky was as good as their record was. And, you know, they've got this loss and I think they played Tennessee coming up this week. So again, they might get another loss. So right there, you know, if they go nine and three, whatever, that's a good season, but they're, they're not an, a 10, 11 wins team. They're just not. Um, all right, let's move on real quick. Uh, I'm going to do these two PAC 12 teams just cause they were both blowouts, not mm-hmm. blowouts, but just not very interesting. Uh, Arizona, USC, uh, USC wins 41, 34, and then UCLA, Utah, um, Utah wins 44-24. Just, you know, USC kind of having their seesaw year, just whatever, it's back and forth between what's going on. I mean, Arizona is obviously terrible. But then in this UCLA-Utah game, uh, Utah has been pretty game in most of their uh, uh, big matchups. So they've they've performed quite well. And, uh, you know, UCLA just, I don't know. I, I think DTR was hurt. I don't think he played in the game. I didn't see the highlights. So I, I know if DTR didn't play, they're, they're not as good. So um, regardless, let's move on these last two. Uh, Penn State, Ohio State. Ohio State wins 33-24. Pretty competitive game. It was close for most of the game until the very end. Uh, Travion Henderson had a really good game. CJ Stroud had another good game. Um, you know, I don't love Penn State's offense. Clifford, I'm kind of like underwhelmed with, uh, but he's better than their backup. So at least he's there. Uh, Anything that stands out for you, Ian? I think this game, this is another game that was really good and evenly matched. Uh, Honestly, both teams trading blow for blow. The difference that it came down to was that Ohio State not only had the passing game, they also had the running game. And Penn State, all they could do was pass. The only thing they were able to do was to pass the ball. Um, that was like the only way they were going to score. Um, other than that, yeah, Ohio State, you know, just kind of outran them at that point um, and put the game away uh, based on, you know, just for the fact that they could, you know, keep the defense off balance uh, when Penn State's offense kind of became one dimensional, only having to go to the air. Yeah, it's, um, you know, Ohio State is definitely a team that is very proficient offensively and you know they will be in almost any game no matter what because of their offensive prowess and 
I like their potential against any team in the nation because of that. You know, unlike a team like Georgia where they're, um, you know, super reliant on their defense and, you know, their defense to make plays like, a, you know, in that Florida game where they made three turnovers that were the difference in the game, you know, Ohio state, I don't think is a team that really necessarily has to rely too much on it. and that they can still win these games. Okay. So let's move on. Cause we're trying to, it's a quicker show today than normal. Um, last one, Notre Dame, North Carolina, uh, Notre Dame wins 44, 34, huge output by Notre Dame, but North Carolina's, uh, defense isn't great. And North Carolina is not the same team that they were last year. So, um, Kind of a disappointing year for North Carolina, but North did Notre Dame only one loss and the loss was to Cincinnati. So still having a solid year, um, even though it's technically a down year because they're not undefeated. But uh, um, what do you think of this game, man? Uh, I've, I'm with you. I thought, you know, this was a game. I, honestly, I thought this was a game North Carolina should have won. But God bless uh, Sam Howe. He did everything he could uh, to, you know, win this game. I think he had over 400 yards of total offense, including rushing. Um, and that um, – but Notre Dame, somehow, this, somehow the offense came out of nowhere and had a fantastic game when they needed to for uh, Notre Dame. I don't think, you know, passing wasn't overly, you know, impressive with Jake Combe, but they were able to kind of ground and pound Notre, uh, or North Carolina to soften them up. Um, other than that, you know, very good uh, win for Notre Dame, Paul Way. But, I'm, yeah, it's definitely a disappointing year for North, uh, North Carolina. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so moving on, now we're getting to the – Heisman part of our show. So um, real quick, we already talked about it a little bit, but right now I have uh, Bryce Young, Kenneth Walker, and Matt Corral. Uh, who do you have in your list? Uh, same. Uh, Bryce Young, Matt Corral, Kenneth Walker, and Kenny Pickett. I'm and still Kenny sick. Pickett. He, still he did have two interceptions, but I'm not going to take that away from him. He still had a fantastic game against Miami. Yeah, he still he did had everything huge he numbers. You're right. You're right. You know, I, you know, I just kind of – you know, that loss kind of tarnished it. I wish they could have kept winning, but um, regardless. All right, let's move on. We talked about the playoff. The, it, what will I will say is the actual rankings as of Tuesday are Georgia number one, Alabama number two, Michigan State number three, and Oregon number four. So that was the one team we haven't really talked about was Oregon. Um, I don't know. They just... I think they're putting a lot of weight behind them beating Ohio State. So, you know, it it will either bear fruit in that Ohio State wins out or it'll be a, um, a red herring because they lose to um, – uh, oh, uh, Michigan State and Michigan, but we'll see. You know, it, it has the potential of being huge for them the more Ohio State wins out. And I really think no one else in the Pac 12 can really, um, uh, be no, Oregon. it, it, yeah. Oregon's the last hope. Yeah. Well, it, it, I don't really think anyone's really that good, good enough to beat them, anyways. Like they, they may play down to them. But they still, I think Oregon's just the better team overall in the Pac 12. And then the, uh, okay. So, and then if, if anything, okay. What my list is, what my potential list is, I have Georgia, I have Oklahoma and I have Cincinnati and Michigan state. Those are the ones that I think at the end of the year will be what it is because I think 
more than likely that Georgia is going to beat Alabama. And uh, I think those teams right now are the ones that are going to get to the playoff. That's what I think. But regardless, do you have any thoughts on playoff rankings or what, what you think potential teams are? Uh, well, I already gave my two cents on the playoff, but yeah. I, I know my current ranking right now um, is uh, number one, Georgia, number two, Michigan State, number three, Cincinnati, number four, Oklahoma, and the first two out are Alabama, Ohio State. Um, I, ca- I can't really look too far ahead. I think I, I know we'll have a Big Ten team in there um, and that um, – the question is, are they going to put, you know, two SEC teams in there? That's the only conference that, that would be able to happen. Um, and the other thing is that Oklahoma was ranked, what, seven or eight in the initial playoffs? So they have to do a lot of leapfrogging on uh, the next couple of weeks. Um, they they to, play uh, a lot of big teams. They play um, Baylor and they play Oklahoma State, and then they'll play another one in the Big 12 championship. So they got three big matchups going forward. So they, they still have – the ability to get in if, um, if they win out. So, um, okay, let's move on. We're going to do now the week 10 look ahead. Okay. So first game, Missouri, Georgia, kind of a layup. What, what do you got in this one? Uh, I've got the Bulldogs winning this one and winning it handedly. Uh, defense going to win this one. I got Georgia 41 to three. 41 to three. Yeah. I'm not far off from that. I've got, uh, um, 45 to 10. Okay. Next one, LSU, Alabama used to be a huge game. Now is a afterthought. No one's even talking about this one. Um, what do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, I, again, and kind of another one, I think Alabama is, you know, just has too much talent. Um, and I definitely know, you know, there's not going to be a whole lot LSU's offense will be able to do against, you know, maybe a subpart defense, but definitely, uh, you know, a competent defense at that. Uh, but I think Alabama's offense is just going to, you know, overpower them. I got Bama winning this one, 45, 20. Yeah. I got 38, 17. I just don't think that uh, LSU's got much fight left in them. You know, Orgeron is fired. You know, there's not really much to play for this year for them. And I, I don't really see them, putting up a huge fight. Okay. Ohio state, Nebraska. What do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, going to be close in the first half, but Ohio state pulls away. Um, uh, I've got the Buckeyes winning this one 38 to 16. Okay. I'm going to call this one and I'm just going to just throw it out there. Cause I haven't really called many upsets so far this year, but I'm going to call this one. I think because of how close Nebraska has played a lot of teams throughout the last couple of years that this one they will finally get. And it's in Nebraska. I think Nebraska wins 31-28, and I'm going to say that it's going to be very close. Obviously, that score is close, but, you know, like I'm talking about like the whole game, like it's going to be tight. And I think Scott Frost finally gets one, and this will probably save his job potentially. And maybe even being the turning point for Nebraska going forward. And it's kind of like a sneaky game because no one's really talking about it. I think this has the potential for it. What, what was your score total again? Uh, it was, I believe it was 38 to 16. 38 to 16. Okay. Okay. All right. Tulsa, Cincinnati. Speaking of Cincinnati, we talked about him so much today. Who do you got in this one, Ian? 
Uh, I got Cincy winning this one. And I think, you know, again, they might have a slow start, but I think they'll turn it on and, you know, win this one handedly. Uh, so I'm going to have the Bearcats winning this one 35 to 13. Yeah, I'm literally right there with you. I've got uh, 35 to 16. Okay. Um, Wake Forest going up against North Carolina. Good matchup for Wake Forest to see if they can play with a good offense to see if they can go score for score. Uh, I'm going to say Wake Forest wins, and I'm going to say Wake Forest wins 42 to, I'm going to say 28. What do you got? Uh, this is my upset pick of the week. I actually Uh-oh, think North red Carolina. Alert, red alert. <laughs> yep. Uh, I actually think North Carolina can pull it off. Wake Forest teams they've been playing have been a bit subpar. I don't think they've really been tested, especially with this offense, but I definitely know the offense is still there for North Carolina, despite all everything going wrong with for them. So I think North Carolina is actually going to pull out a win here. Um, I think it will be an offensive battle, but I have the Tar Heels winning uh, 34 to 27. Yeah, I, I like Wake in this one, like I said. So, um, yeah, I, I think Wake is going to win this one. But, you know, it's potential. You know, you I you obviously don't know when there's upsets. You have, like, no way of proving it. It's just almost like a gut feeling. You can say certain things, but it's almost like, you know, it just it feels like it's going to happen type thing. Okay. Oklahoma State, West Virginia. Um, who do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, I think this one's actually going to be really close. Uh, I think these teams are pretty even based on uh, defense uh, and especially based on the uh, offensive attack. Uh, but I'm going to take Oklahoma State in this one by, by a whisker. I'm going to go Oklahoma, like literally. I got Oklahoma State winning this one 28-27. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. I got uh... – Oklahoma State winning 24-21. I think it's going to be really close. Again, Oklahoma State's defense has been the story for them all year. And, like, you know, it'll continue in this game. I think it's going to be really close. I like West Virginia. They're, they're, they've been up to task to, to compete against some of these better teams in Big 12. And, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I mean, it's it could potentially be a big upset, but – I think Oklahoma State uh, takes care of business. Okay. Uh, Baylor, TCU. Who do you got in this one? Uh, I've got Baylor. TCU is definitely having, you know, they're down here. Uh, the head coach just got fired. So, I, I, yeah. I have Baylor winning this one. Uh, maybe not by an impressive score, but I got, you know, the Bears winning 30-14. to 14. Yeah, Gary Patterson fired after like 20-some-odd years. I think it was like 20 years. No, uh, it he, was a long time. Yeah, he was one of the longest tenured coaches in college football. And I don't even – it was just because he was having a bad year or was there something else? I didn't hear anything no, else. TCU was kind of just slipping, and I think they both sides just kind of agreed it was time best to, to just – Yeah, time, time to tip the cap and bow out. Yeah, there you go. Okay, uh, big matchup in the SEC. Auburn going up against Texas A&M. Now, Auburn has the chance, if they win out – they will go to the SEC championship game. So, you know, when all was thought was lost, when they lost to uh, Georgia and then they lost, they had lost to, um, I don't know who else they lost to, but they had like, they had those two losses and people pretty much wrote them off. When they but, still have to beat Alabama though, if, if they do. That's what I said, if they win out, they have to win out. Oh yeah. Other, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think their other loss is a non-conference loss. 
I think. Oh uh, yeah, Penn State. It, yeah, exactly. Uh, their two losses are Penn State and Georgia. Right. So, and those don't look terrible considering one was on the road and uh, the other one is against the number one team in the nation. So, it's really not that big of a deal to lose those two games. And lo and behold, I mean, it'd be weird, you know, 2007 type year if a two-loss Auburn team somehow sneaks into the playoff, you know. But stranger things have happened. So, with that in mind, both these teams with two losses, you know, it's really kind of uh, go big or go home for both of these teams. I like Auburn in this win because I just like the way that Auburn Auburn has been playing. I'm going to say Auburn wins uh, 29 – and I'll say Texas A&M 22. What do you got? Uh, I'm with you in that being a close game, but I actually think A&M is going to pull it out in another close one. Uh, based on just how dynamic Isaiah Spiller is and how the offense works around him. And I yeah. do think AM's defense is a bit better, so I think they can stifle Auburn's attack enough to win it. But I'm with you. I think this is going to be a really close one, but I have AM winning this one. Bit of a low-scoring affair. Uh, I have the Aggies winning 27 to 23. All right, so Liberty Ole Miss. What do you got in this one? Interesting matchup. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I have uh, Ole Miss winning this one regardless of, you know, Matt Crowell being healthy or not. Um, I've, I've got Ole Miss winning this one. I think it will actually be, you know, Liberty's going to, you know, isn't much of a slouch. Uh, you know, they've done a pretty good year that, uh, this season. Yeah. Uh, uh, especially as a group of five independent, they've uh, haven't been playing a whole lot of tough teams, but I remember they played Troy, which Troy has actually looked pretty good this year. Um, But I have, uh, you know, I I do have uh, Ole Miss winning this one and running away with it. I'm going to go with a 44 to 23, you know, 44 to 23 win. Uh, I think Liberty will get some late scores in. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very close with you. I got 41, 20 as well. Um, I just think Ole Miss's firepower is too much for a team like Liberty. They they won't know how to stop them. Okay, um, Arkansas going up against Mississippi State. I'm going to say Mississippi State wins. I'm going to say Mississippi State wins 34 to 30 in a close game. What do you got in this one? Um, yeah. <sighs> I don't know what it is. I really don't know what it is. But I think I'm going to take Arkansas on this one in an upset. Only for the fact that uh, Mississippi State, while the run game has showed up the last, especially last week against Kentucky, you know, Arkansas is a team that has both. I think Jefferson is common enough of of a passer, um, and the running attack is still very effective for Arkansas. I think this is going to be a shootout, but I don't know what it is. I think the Razorbacks can win this based on like just the run and passing attack compared to just the air raid for Mississippi State. So I have Arkansas winning this one. Um, I'm going to go with 38 to 33 Razorbacks. Okay. Yeah. Close one. Okay. Uh, Tennessee, Kentucky. What do you got in this one? Um, I've got Kentucky ground pounding and winning this one and a very close one. I think Hendon Hooker is going to keep Tennessee alive, but I think the defense of Kentucky is going to be able to do enough to stifle it. Uh, so not a high scoring game, but I'm going to have the Wildcats winning this one 26 to 17. 
I have 2817 the other way. And uh, the reason why I'm thinking that is because I like where Tennessee's offense is going lately. And, uh, you know, they put up decent points against Alabama. Um, and I think they can do that against a Kentucky team that just got um, beat by this Mississippi State team as well. So uh, I'm going to say Tennessee wins 28-17. Uh, moving on, NC State, FSU. I'm going to say FSU loses one of their several losses this year. And I'm going to say NC State wins like... 32 to 20 sounds about right. What do you got in this one? I'm, I'm with you. I think NC State will win this one. I think Florida State is going to keep it close early, uh, but I just think the offense of NC State is just too dynamic and too much. So I'm going to take uh, NC State. Uh, I'll go with a 35, um, 35, uh, 23 win for the Wolfpack. Okay. Uh, Boise State, Fresno State. I know we had talked about Fresno State a little bit earlier in the year and, you know, it kind of like, you know, they lost a couple of games there. So we kind of like, uh, you know, stopped talking about them. But, you know, big game. Boise State's always a game team. Uh, Who do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, This one, uh, you know. You know, Boise, like like you said, Boise State's always going. This is a very good matchup in the Mountain West. Um, I I think I'm going to take Fresno State because I just think the defense of Boise State isn't up to stuff with this high-powered attack. So I'm going to have Fresno State uh, winning this one, and I think those are going to, like, put up actually a lot of points. Um, But I'm going to have Fresno State winning. I'll go with 48-30 to uh, for the Bulldogs. I have it a little bit closer. I think it's going to be 28, uh, 34, 28, uh, for Fresno state, but I just think it's going to be a close game. I, you know, I know Boise has always been a team that, uh, is pretty solid and, you know, they beat BYU earlier this year. Um, I know it was a lot of turnovers was the reasons why, but I, I still think Boise is a solid enough team to, to, to contend with Fresno state. Okay. Um, Texas, Iowa State, you know, Iowa State coming off that uh, disappointing loss against West Virginia. I think Iowa State comes back in this one and recovers. I'm going to say Iowa State wins this one. I'm going to say they win um, 31 to 22. That's what I'm going with. What do you got? Um, Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take the Cyclones in this one. Um, I think it's going to be really close, but I think that, you know, Iowa State's just defense is enough to stop them, uh, the Texas offense. So I'm going to take Iowa State. Um, I'll go very close. I'll go with a 30 to 25 win for Iowa State. Okay. All right. Uh, Florida, after their fourth loss, now four and four, going up against South Carolina. Um, I'm going to say Florida wins. I'm going to say they win 31 to probably like 20, something like that. What do you got, Ian? Yeah, I think this is actually, you know, it's going to be a very uncomfortable game um, <laughs> just in general. I think Florida's, Florida is – I think Florida is going to win. God, I hope so. Um, South Carolina is definitely having a very down year, but I think they're going to, you know – just be competitive enough. So I'm going to have the Gators winning this one very uncomfortably 27 to 19. 
Okay, Clemson, Louisville. What do you got in this one? Um, oh boy. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, screw it. Give me Louisville. Um, I, I'll take Louisville in this one. I think uh, with uh, the way the offense has worked for Louisville and just how bad the offense is on the other side for Clemson. I don't know. I know Louisville can put points on the board and despite how good Clemson's defense is. I can't say the same about Clemson. So I'm going to take Louisville in this one, not a overly blowout, but I'm going to go 29 to 23 uh, for the Cardinals. Yeah. I like Louisville in this game. Um, you know, Clemson is just not able to score. They're not able to really compete with teams that can score, and I think Louisville can score. I like Cunningham to be able to to move on this defense. Um, I'm going to say Louisville wins 31-21. Next game, Houston-USF. I'm going to do my score real quick. I, uh, you know, it's a huge game for USF. It's their homecoming, I believe, and they're doing like a – anniversary yeah 25th yeah 25th anniversary their helmets are doing our the logos uh the logo from their first oh, they're doing the goat helmet yeah yeah and oh really it's not I never it's, thought they'd bring that ugly ass thing back it's not the exact helmet it's like their it's like their newer design where they have that gold and white where it's like the white yeah base and then gold accenting it and it's kind of like off center as well so it looks kind of cool they kind of like i don't know they didn't really do the rest of the uniform that well they could have like done very similar to what the old school stuff was and they kind of didn't for whatever reason but um regardless i think uh Houston steamrolls them, and I think Houston wins 44-20. I, I think Timmy McClain will probably play, and I think Timmy McClain will have a good game. But him having a good game is, you know, scoring 20 points and, you know, not being able to contend with a, a really good uh, um, Houston team. What do you got in this one, Ian? Yeah, I'm with you. I've got, you know – I've I've got you know USF I, they just can't compete with this firepower of Houston, um, so I'm going to take uh, Houston winning this one uh, in a big win. Um, I'm going to go with a 38 to 13 win uh, for uh, the Cougars. Oh yeah, look at that. What? Oh, I'm looking at the uniform. Yeah, they look pretty cool. Uh, okay, yeah, last I one. Done something with the jersey. Last last one, USC, Arizona State. I don't really like USC's chance in this one. I got Arizona State winning 35-24. Um, and I just, you know, it's it, it's very tough to watch this USC season. It's very um, I don't know. It's I I would be miserable if I was a USC fan. I mean, I'm pretty miserable as a Florida fan this year, but it would probably be even worse as a USC fan. So what do you got in this one, Ian? Uh, I'm with you. I actually think USC is going to, you know, stay in the game a bit, but I, I just don't think, um, I think Arizona state, you know, will, will their way to the win. Um, I'm going to take the sun devils winning 34 to 16. There you go. Okay. That is the show. Everyone. Thank you for listening. Um, you can reach us at hater, uh, radio.com. Uh, you can reach us at Instagram and Twitter on at hater underscore radio you can also reach us at our email which is haterradio1 at gmail.com ian what is your socials real quick before we go 
Yes. Uh, my sources are at YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter, G Gator G, capital G, underscore Gator, underscore capital G. Nice. Okay, Ian, great show. We'll talk to you soon. Um, everybody have a good week. And uh, yeah, I can't wait for these games coming up. All right. See you, everybody.